This week on the Boag World Show, we're joined by Vitaly Friedman, the founder of Smashing Magazine, to talk about his rather unusual role and nomadic lifestyle. This week's show is sponsored by Optimal Workshop and the Digital Project Manager. Boag World Show, the podcast about all aspects of digital design, development and strategy. My name is Paul Boag and joining me on this week's show is Marcus Lillington and Vitaly Freeburn. Yay! Hi Vitaly. Nice. Hello. Hello. Hello everyone. Thanks, thanks, thanks so, so much for having me again. Vitaly. Ah, it's always a privilege and a pleasure. I don't get to spend enough time with you because you you never stay still long enough for me to actually hang out you with you. You turn around and he's gone. It's like, my oh, there he is, he's gone. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, what country are you currently living in? Uh, in betweens. In, in betweens? Yeah. In betweens where? Uh, Germany and Ukraine? Is yes, and also Spain and Lithuania. So it's <laughs> like, it's very hard to explain. Woo. You see, there's there well, cat, is cat, the frankly, actually, it's oh, uh, jealous, hopefully not because of the traveling. I can be actually, we can talk about it later. It's, I would love to settle. Yeah, yeah, I we really ought to would. get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. So, we're going to talk to Vitaly about what he does and, and, and how he does it. Um, so, Vitaly, maybe just, just for the like three people that don't know you and um, what you do, could you just give us a very kind of quick synopsis of you know your career or your, what it is you do yeah so I, I, it all started back in like very quickly back in 1998 or so when we started then i started working on shockwave and dhtml and vrml and then macromedia shockwave flash stuff thingy and all of that and then i ended up doing a little bit of stuff for the web just you know playing with html and things like that and when my parents moved to germany back in 2000 oh 1999 actually um, I wanted to earn money, so I started looking out for things that I can do, and it turned out that I can do some HTML and Flash, and so that's where I started doing freelance work. And I also studied in the university there, doing computer science and mathematics, and so I was actually earning my money with web stuff as a freelancer on the side. Um, up until yeah. 2006, when we launched Smashing Magazine, which is an online magazine for designers and developers, and I stopped doing freelancing back then, and then I actually ex- continued doing it in 2012 or 13, uh, but more on the consultancy side, kind of trying to work with companies, big and small, um, to improve the front end or interface design. And I've always been in between, like interface design and then front end, and then performance, and then I got bored with all of that, and I did accessibility, and then I got bored with that and moved back to interface design. <laughs> And then usability and this and that. And just yesterday, I spent essentially the entire day um, reading about capture and what you can do with that and what you should ah. not do with that. So I always pick a topic and dive in very deep. That's kind of my that thing. Sounds, that sounds know. like, um, that sounds very similar to when we interviewed Chris Coyer. You know, that, that kind of entrepreneurial 
Well, not entrepreneur. That c- continuous fascination with different things. Ooh, shiny. Let's go and investigate yeah, that for a while. That's yeah, me. I'm exactly that's the me. same. I like it sounds like you, Paul, yeah. I would say. That's a, that's you get bored. Uh, you know, I used to rely on you to do things, but you'd been bored or whatever <laughs> that was, so you didn't do it. And I ended up having to do it. Oh, that sounds did. very familiar to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Iris at the moment, it, at any minute now, is going <laughs> to burst into the chat room going, yes, 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 just that, that. <laughs> when she talks about Iris works with uh, Vitalin is in the chat room at the moment. This is great. And there is, a, there, is a, there is a terrifying similarity in our, our way that we think between me and Vitaly that we, we both get bored incredibly easily. And, and go on there to are the significant thing. differences in the way we think and we work too. Are there? What like what? Give me give me an example. Well, for example, I'm a little bit. I'm a bit more. You're a more extreme version of me, I think, because when whenever we have conversations between you, me, and Marcus, not uh, that Marcus, the, the MD, other, Mar- mm. the, the other Marcus, Marcus, who's the MD of Smashing, I always feel like I sit between the two of you. Yeah, that's probably right. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think in many ways, I I like looking into um, dramatic shifts. So I, I do like continuous improvement on the one side, but I do believe, strongly believe, that in order to get successful, to be really reaching the audience, you really need to make a big, bold statement. And you still have to stand behind yes. your principles. While at the same time, you are more of a, you know, let's keep iterating forever kind of guy. Yes. Right? Yes. And I have no principles. Well, <laughs> I think you do. You just have really bad <laughs> principles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You need to take a long, hard look at yourself, Paul. Yeah. Well, we well, both do. Actually, I think you're we, not the first. I mean, we need to take to a close look at Paul together. Not. I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah some analysis. Slap onto my chair, Paul. Yeah. My ca- my my couch. I. I don't think I, I would. I would quite happily have myself analysed, but not by you two. I know that. <laughs> I want a paid professional to do that. Haven't you done that at some point, Vitaly? Kind of. Uh, you know, t- t- step back and looked at your personality and your character. You mentioned that just before we started yes. the show, didn't you? Yeah, I think it's very important. I mean, to I mean, I was one of those people who would never go to psychiatrist or therapist or shrink right ever because yeah. you know, come on, I can take care of myself and I'm strong enough to yeah. you know see my values and my um, purpose and my strength and my weaknesses. And I had a very difficult time in my life, like or like essentially like the last six seven months or so. Uh, it was there were many changes, um, not very pleasant changes altogether, um, mm. and so I did decide to then actually give it a try, and I went. and I, I don't know if it actually really changed my life life forever, um, no. but at some point somehow um, it helped me to see the picture a bit better. Maybe just because I had to yeah. think through all of it before I would have a session, so it really yeah. forced me to think about what I'm going to say. Uh, and then I kind of started thinking for my for myself. And then at this point, I yeah. feel as me uh, that I just see my strength and my weaknesses much better, and I understand uh-huh. what I might be, you know, might need to work on. And even if I don't work on that, I do know how to deal with my weaknesses. Right? Yeah. So that's very very yeah. powerful. And so many of the things I had uh, mostly complexes as they would say right things that i uh, they were always in my head for a long time that i would never let yeah. go um i i know i have them that's already very very helpful and i know how to ignore them yeah. sometimes so that's yeah. that's really helped me 
see things a little bit better and also shaped in a way the way I see my work and how I work um, and the balance I try to achieve between work and life because for many years I didn't have it. No. You, yeah. As long as I've known you, you've never had a line between work and, uh, and home, which is, is fascinating. But I tell you what, I do totally, I, I am so into this kind of um, psychoanalysis, for want of a better word. And do you know where it all started, Marcus? This, you'll know this, from back when we had that client called Insights. Oh, yeah. Do you remember yeah, yeah. Insights? Yes, yes the, the magical um, people. Uh, yeah, the magic we, people. We, we both that, filled seriously. In, in this twenty-five question form. Um, that then they they then churned out this document that basically described me and described Paul to the letter. And it's like this is ridiculous. And then they said, I'll never forget this. They said we can actually do it in twelve questions, but we have to make it twenty-five so that people believe it. And it's like, how do they do it? It's insane. It it was insane. Yeah. And and what really impressed me, I mean, they, they were aiming at, like, the corporate sector and professionals. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't... Sales like, teams and stuff were, like that. You know, it wasn't... Yeah, yeah. But i got to say, that was one of the most useful experiences of my professional life in some ways. Because that report, like you said, it made you aware of your own shortcomings, your own abilities, mm-hmm. what you're good at, what you're bad at. And the thing that I found particularly useful was working with... Uh, the third founder of Headscape, Chris Scott, um, <laughs> who is completely opposite me as a character in, in every conceivable way. Um, and we, uh, he used to drive me around the twist. But doing that exercise made me realize not only that that his position was just as valid as mine, but it also taught me how to work with him and, and how we actually complemented each other really well. Um, you know, uh, uh, even though we were complete opposites, even though we drove each other insane, that combination of the two of us just worked perfectly. So, yeah, I'm totally, I, you know, I think every now and again you need to step back and understand who it is you are yeah. and, uh, and, you know, where uh, your strengths are. Yeah, I think it's really important. It's in the same way, like, we all tend to chase down all the wonderful technologies and techniques out there. And whenever I actually stop to think about why we choose them or why we do that, yeah, and so I think it's there is a lot of value of actually stepping down and uh, waiting and seeing what's going to happen next without chasing anything down, and so that's yeah. an exercise worth repeating, I guess. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that I think that maybe comes with age a little bit. The older you get, the thank more you. you learn. That's very kind of you. The more tired I'm you t- become. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah so the more hesitant no no the more you learn that it's worth taking a step back every now and again mm-hmm. and reevaluating, and whether that be personally whether it be in your career even within you know your your choices of, of technology or your whatever it is you know i think you can get caught into to paths of activity that aren't always particularly healthy or good yeah, that's that's so, the that's the how would sorry, sorry Paul. So that's the that's the, almost on. like the fashion thing. You know, fashions come round and come round and come round. Mm-hmm. And I think the same probably applies to maybe not technology itself, but how things like interface design stuff like that it comes round and round and round and round. So if you've seen something mm-hmm. before, you're more likely to go. I'm just going to see how this is going to work out, and before I jump mm-hmm. on, or yeah, yeah exactly. So and I, I think I think also I fully agree with with you, Marcus here, and I think it's one thing that's really helped me to understand and kind of get better maybe at what I do is to embrace the fact that I'm extremely mediocre 
in many ways. Meaning that if, <laughs> if I experience a problem in an interface with an app, I'm pretty certain, oh, on the website, doesn't matter what it is, I'm almost always very, very confident that many people experience the same issue. Mm -hmm. They just you know, yeah. don't, don't, don't report it, don't really think about it, just ignore it, right? Um, and I think that I'm yeah. really good at noticing and spotting those things and improving clarity at the right point when it really makes sense. Yeah. And so this is, is that something that I, that that I capitalized, capitalized on a lot over the last few years mm -hmm. and helped me a lot. I think it's almost an ability to empathize and, and understand how other people are feeling, whether that be empathizing with people that are signing up to be smashing members, whether it's people that are, you know, reading your magazine or whether it be using an app, it doesn't really matter. That ability to, to say, okay, what I'm experiencing and what I feel is not dissimilar to what most people feel and, and to be able to tap mm -hmm. into that in some way. Mm. What so okay so you gave us a brief kind of blah 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 this is how i got to where i am i um what do you do now in smashing magazine because you're not the md of the company you've you decided very wisely if i may say so that you didn't want to spend your life filling in spreadsheets and organizing payroll and dealing with hr and that kind of stuff so how do you describe your role today yeah it's very hard for me actually so i, I really wish i could yeah actually just put it in the bucket but there is no bucket like that i think that every day is not like the other in many ways um mm -hmm. I think over years, uh, it turned out to be a very strange situation because I feel like in many ways, uh, what I do most of the time is being uh, available and responsive to whatever comes up. That's one thing. <laughs> and there are many yeah. things that show up all the time. It's not necessarily because, you know, it in, employees don't know what they're doing. Of course they do. And they have all like full yeah. ownership. And um, But there are always some things where I think we could do it better. Or I feel, oh, I mm -hmm. noticed that now. That's not quite right. We could also tweak that a little bit. So I spend a lot of time uh, in optimizing processes, workflows, not necessarily in smashing, because like half of, half of the time, I would say, well, it's really hard to say because it depends on the day of, on the month and so on. But I would say like half of, the, half of my time is consultancy, half of my time is actually smashing. And so mm -hmm. on the smashing side of things, uh, like smashing conferences as a product are designed or like the experience, I'm kind of an experienced designer at this point, uh, designed by me, mm -hmm. um, also support with our wonderful team, of course. But I choose the speakers, I choose the topics, I choose the formats, I choose the way we're going to run it in many ways, uh, right? And so this is kind of my thing. Uh, also, I'm trying to get more, I mean, it was very important for us to stabilize that product because, um, mm. you know, we started doing conferences many years ago, 2012, 13, or 13, I believe, was the first one. And so for a while, it was running well. Um, but then we also saw that the se uh, uh, sales uh, for tickets kind of was slowing down. Mm -hmm. And so it was very important for me to refocus and establish a very strong baseline and foundation for it to keep growing and for it to remain stable. So I just jumped into it with both feet and did that. Right? So still quite a bit of my time is spent on that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so it's almost like it's almost like you are a troubleshooter slash strategic advisor for smashing. I would say so. Yeah. But I also uh, spent quite a bit of time in very different departments. So I spent a lot of time reading and writing and um, yeah, and, you know, working on the books. And we do have 
uh, obviously like our processes that have to be optimized, the conferences, the membership, I'm trying to be involved there as well. And the front end, if I'm getting bored, I'm just going to write some CSS and JavaScript for the site, see what's how we can improve things. Um, running some usability tests. Uh, a lot of organization. I think a lot of my time, whether I want it or not, is spent on emails and just having a very clear conversations about, you know, this is what we do, this is what we don't do. And also boring conversations, but important conversations um, with everything that relates to, you know, future partnerships and all of that. Um, that's very helpful when I'm involved, I guess. Um, just because I can see, like, what would work, what would not work, what other people like, um, particularly, like, what does the sponsor need, for example, right? And really dive in and mm. push it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that in many ways it's a lot of very different things. And at the same time, mm. I spend quite a bit of time beyond smashing on education. So I'm going to have, for example, mm. um, uh, teaching a class in Amsterdam for next month in February. Uh, on front-end and stuff, and I'm really looking forward to have 50 or so crazy students who are going mm. to suffer through me because I'm going to pose all kinds of challenges. Like, for example, we have to build this thing, but you're, allowed to use, you're not allowed to use any proper shapes, like no rectangles, no circles, <laughs> no triangles. Figure out what you want to do. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and actually, I'm trying to dedicate at least one month of my life every year to anything related to education. Uh, yeah. So that's been a thing for the last few years. And then also there, is, there are projects, like, for example, right now working with the European Parliament because there are elections coming up. And so we're working on a few things here and there to improve interface and improve clarity and charts and graphs and tables and all this madness. And it's a lot of fun. Basically, so as you can see, like, every day wow. is different. You do, you do whatever yeah. you want to do all the time. That's fair, isn't it? But as long as you bring uh, value... That's that's the po- as long I, as you I bring value, so. you can do what you like. It's, like, it's just yeah. exactly the same as Paul used to be with us. We'd say, okay, okay. Oh no, I was much more focused <laughs> and and on the ball. But it's just like, oh, I, it was kind of like Paul. What are you into at the moment? I'm into this. Do that then. I do it really well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I like. Well, I like challenges. So for a while, I was bored. Hmm. I was bored because you know, Smashing Magazine exists since 2006. And so for a long time, I was editor-in-chief, although I kind of moved from one place to another every now and again. Mm. And so it felt like every day I would be reading articles, editing articles, writing articles. That's it, right? And I really missed Mm. the industry. And so when I started doing this consultancy, freelancing work, it wasn't because, uh, you know, um, I wanted to write some front-end now again, although I did. But I do it all the time anyway. I was doing it all the time Uh, on the site or you know, just uh, on the edge doing something else. Um, but it was important for me to be working on real-life cases where I can yeah. make some changes and see an impact of it outside of our industry, uh, like of our regular, yeah. you know, readership. And yeah. that brings me joy. The same way yeah, it, it does, you know, with students where you go and they, they come for free yeah. and they're going to spend the entire Sunday from 9 a.m. maybe until 11 p.m. on a Sunday like even here in Ukraine, wow. right, where they would just do things and they're extremely curious and they want to do everything. And then it's never enough for them. And they would just, you know, the break is like the lunch break is one hour. They would be back in 40 minutes. You know, this is... See, that's unnatural. <laughs> I, this is, 
I disapprove of that very strongly. I think people that that have such an incredible work ethic are, are suspicious. <laughs> yeah, but but it's I that. like being in places where people really want to learn, and so this is why. And I don't mean to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really like the the moment of honesty for me, um, because in many ways I don't like going to places like London or even Amsterdam or you know mm-hmm. Copenhagen, uh, not because they're not nice places. It's just when you run a workshop there, it's mostly going to be companies sending the employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so you have a very different spirit. I mean, you, you still learn a lot and you, and from them, and you also hopefully teach something to them, right? Uh, and I love doing that. This is also like a part of how we earn money on Smashing. So I'm not going to say this is a horrible and boring thing. It's not. And But the level of joy, like genuine joy and curiosity that goes just way out of control, like we're totally out of control, mm. is in places where people normally don't go. It's in Gdansk and Poland, it's in Novi Sad in Serbia, it's in uh, Bosnia, it's, um, you know, this, like the last year was the year when I went to the second and third largest cities. Mm. And that's incredible. I mean, mm. for me, I mean, you don't earn money with it. So you need to be able to afford going there. Yeah. You don't earn much money with that. Um, and that's a good good position you're in. See, I'm almost a little bit the opposite. We really need to do the first sponsor. By the way, this is just the introduction. <laughs> oh, the I think we've covered quite a lot so of the subjects doing... already, but yeah. Yeah, we have. Um, uh, I'm almost a complete opposite. I almost like doing workshops with people that don't want to be there because I, I get a pleasure from turning them around and then suddenly getting this light bulb moment of, oh, this matters. This is important. Mm. Well, you're much so, better at you know, than it, I am, so, yeah. Well, uh, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am bloody amazing. I'm just, a, to be honest, I'm a better presenter. I'm a better workshop person. Better looking. Better, yeah. Really. yeah, you also have a much better, better much better dark wallpaper in the back, which reminds <laughs> me of really bad David Lynch movies. That's okay. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Right, and do you know what? Let's let's pause a moment and do a sponsor on that, just to give people time for that to sink in with them about how much better <laughs> I am. Um, we'll do a sponsor, and then we'll we'll come we'll circle back to what we're actually supposed to be talking about. Right, our sponsor for this season is uh, the first sponsor I want to talk about is the Digital Project Manager, which is a course that you can do. Um, so, in all of the the this season, there will be a reoccurring topic which is that we're all trying to wear a lot of different hats and we're all working with lots of different people and Vitaly has basically just said exactly the same thing as well and I'm sure everybody will do every week so the result of that is you need very good management skills we need to be organized and in control of our work Um, and that's why I'm featuring the digital project manager um, on this podcast season because I feel it's a really good fit so it's a website it's a podcast it's an online community it's an online school basically that's got tons of resources for project managers or basically anyone who leads teams or runs projects in the digital world so um, it launched last year um, with a course called Mastering Digital Project Management. And they've got some great uh, feedback. In fact, one student from a recent session commented that it was, um, uh, you know, it was pioneering. And, you know, they're they're very enthusiastic. It gets very high praise. Everybody loves it. It goes down very well. 
So it's a complete online course that happens over seven weeks um, with a full curriculum and covers everything from broad topics like project methodology and leadership qualities to techniques for doing day-to-day tasks, estimating projects, handling budgets, writing briefs, dealing with unexpected challenges from stakeholders, everything that you could possibly expect, really. The next one... Because this is a you know handcrafted course where they take you through step by step. It's not just some video learning course. So the next one kicks off on the fourth of February. So this show is going out on the thirty first of January. So do it now because otherwise you're going to have to wait for the next course, which will be a pain in the neck. So you can get on it if you're really quick, and you can do that by going to the digitalprojectmanager.com forward slash boagworld. Right. So. Vitaly. Yes, sir. We've talked, we've talked about how you came to do what you do today. Now, there are, so you've got a mixture of different stuff you do. Where, which parts of that kind of pay the bills and which do you just do for fun? You've talked about you, you do some training that is really just for fun. Although I'm guessing that encourages people to engage with Smashing Magazine, which has got to be good. Mm. But is it mainly the what's paying your what's paying your salary? How why aren't you living on the street with all of this this kind of wonderful, caring, supportive, free training you're doing? Oh, probably because of the wonderful team that we have. No, not only that. Uh, yes, so I definitely would have a big issue uh, without our wonderful team. That's for sure. Um, but I think that mm-hmm. the most um, what's covering the bills in the end is, of course, still all the things that we're doing on the site, which are commercial, if you like. Um, obviously, we have conferences. So conferences business is very important yeah. to us. Uh, so we have at this point four conferences a year and in different locations in the world. And uh, we spent a lot of time thinking about a really good conference experience, uh, designing it for mm-hmm. everybody involved, speakers, sponsors, attendees, not necessarily in that order, like because everybody is equally important yeah. to us. Yeah. And so... Um, that's, uh, there's a lot of thought that went into really crafting that experience and also the mm. pricing and, you know, the branding and everything around that. That's probably mm. the most important thing that I'm involved with. Um, but we also have, of course, um, other things on the site, which is the membership, right? Uh, the Smashing membership, uh, yeah. which uh, really helps us to pay and cover the bills uh, and the costs. And then, of mm. course, we have the books. And usually I'm the one who is... Not well. Most of the time, I wouldn't say usually. Um, I'm the one who is actually working with authors uh, on mm-hmm. uh, books, uh, and so unless they come to us and already have a draft, which happens sometimes as well, um, and initiate these projects and make them in the end with help of Marcus, who is our who is taking care of the book layout and things like that, and makes it all reality. Sure. So books are very important as well, um, and. We also have, you know, jobs and sponsored articles and things like that on the magazine. But magazine is taken care of by Rachel and Iris, mm-hmm. who happens to be in uh, in the chat as well, right? Uh, and so my role in many ways is the conference, like that brings money to Smashing. Uh, is everything related to conferences, but also consultancy. Mm-hmm. So whenever right. we have a project anywhere, you know, uh, in a retail industry or so, the money does go to Smashing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So that's on the on the you know money side. Um, there are also many things like uh, conversations with potential partners and sponsors and 
speakers and workshop coaches and things like that. And these conversations also uh, kind of are taken care of by me. Not, I mean, the sponsors are taken care of by Mariona, right? Uh, but there are many, many things around that where you have to move this machine. Like if it's a big company, sometimes you need to pull yeah. plugs here and there and things like that. Um, on the fun side, I guess uh, the best part that I like doing most is really working with students. That's mm-hmm. the joy. That's uh, that's something I really, really enjoy doing. But also going to again to places where nobody usually goes. Um, that's just yeah. uh, n- normally people say. So why is it? Why are you doing that? It's you just you know kind of sprinkling all your energy all over the place, and that's probably true. But I also get a lot of energy from that, right? Yeah. Um, and also, uh, I really like researching, and so hopefully, um, this is also like fun for me, uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, like, really looking into how would you make a beautiful car configurator interface? Boom! Let's mm-hmm. go, and then I go and dive in. And right. so, this is a part of my workshop that keeps kind of going for many years now, and I keep up to, up to date all the time. Every Friday, I sit down and improve things and refine things and add more examples and revise my checklists. And I like checklists. I love checklists. Um, <laughs> and so this is like a part of it, which in the end, I hope will eventually, hopefully this year become a book. Uh, so, ah. so that's another thing. And then there are many moving parts around that. Um, and also just, just one more thing that I think is really cool is I try to be in projects that I really Mm, the create experience, memorable experience for people attending. So, for example, last yeah. year um, I set up um, Berlin Design Campus uh, with friends in Ukraine, right. uh, which is a, here's a projector yeah. design school in Ukraine, where essentially the idea was to take Ukrainian students and we are going to bring them to Berlin and we're going to have seven days where we go every day, we're going to two or so design agencies or companies or anything of that kind. And they're going to just yeah. show how they work maybe mini workshop or just here is what the process looks like. Here is our you know, sketches. This is how we organize our tasks. This is how, how our people work. And it was an incredible experience for me as well. So like 20 people. Yeah. And I was like, it's brilliant. Uh, and I was going to repeat again as well. So, so I'm, I'm trying to do, take what I really like and make it happen. That's, that's the most important part of me. Yeah. And it, it it feels like at the heart of everything you're an educator you love you love sharing what you learn with other people which is just great That's yeah but most you people know, just not you quite a nice person no All not differences me. Are well, showing up <laughs> again and again yeah yeah exactly yeah now i i'm not going to give people any information unless they give me money uh, <laughs> yeah that's, that's and a lot of it no i think i think that yeah. uh, one thing that really defines me in many ways and helps me kind of move on and keep going is um and i will it will sound a little bit sentimental uh, like nostalgic or whatever but i remember when i was kind of starting off there was really nobody who was able to help me somehow i was just doing some things because i also had to earn some money right and uh i feel like we are in many ways i am being as you know yes of course i worked hard and all of that but in many ways i'm privileged to do what i can do and many people are not Mm. So I really see, no, feel no, like it's also my effect of me because because so, I I go well I didn't have any help when I started out so screw them. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. I am joking. But I think that in many ways we're very privileged, clear. and so I think that uh, it's yeah. also my duty in many ways to help people who 
uh, mightn't have the opportunity. So I was doing mentorship for a while as well. It just takes quite a bit of time, and I'm traveling all the way, and so it's a story on its own. Yeah, yeah mentorship is, is pretty hard work. I, I love the stuff that you're doing with students, and I also love the fact that you're doing it um, in those more unusual places. I think, you know, I think there is so much at certain big hubs um, in Western Europe, and I think it's so good to see... Uh, that that those skills being propagated further out as somebody who lives in the middle of nowhere although admittedly in england you know to see that kind of stuff happening is really really worthwhile and is really good but there is a kind of thing that kind of flows out of that which is that's a heck of a lot of traveling Mm. i mean you seem to be constantly on the move how do you how do you keep working while doing all that traveling let alone the toll that the traveling must take on you yeah so uh, have you got some system yes uh, it's it has become very important for me because otherwise i would just do just a little bit every day uh, so i try yeah. to be very um particular about things like for example when i wake up and what i do in the morning and when i go to sleep and um the interruptions in between the interruptions are very expensive and so i try to avoid interruptions yeah. as much as i can uh, it's become a bit difficult over the last three or four weeks, to be honest. Um, I'm not quite sure yet why. Uh, it's been very difficult for me to really, really focus. For example, to write the finished chapters, so you really need to focus. Um, there are, of course, yeah. tools that allow you to you know, turn off all the notifications and email and things like that. Um, mm. But I do need it for research as well somehow, so it's been difficult. Mm. But uh, I think uh, the one thing that really helps me is to exercise. That really oh, okay. gives me some sense of, like, first of all, you have this happy moment in your body because you feel stronger or better, endorphin, endorphins and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's the correct word for it, yes. I guess. Uh, yes. Um, uh, don't ask me. Yeah. I, w- I have no frame of reference here. So that really helps me to keep the energy level, I think, high. Uh, and then I just sit down and I do things. And usually it will be, there will be a nice <laughs> coffee next to me. Um, and so I tend to work on coffee shops, which is why Skype calls or this kind of calls are horror for me <laughs> because I have to go yeah. to a calm place uh, where nobody, well, I can share my thoughts and, you know, this is a very private yeah. moment for me, Paul. <laughs> very private. We're very privileged <laughs> um, to be joining yeah. you in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, because I know I have my headphones and I just work and I sit and I work and I do things. And I always write them down in the order of priorities. So essentially, every yeah. mo- every evening before I go to sleep, I know exactly what I'm going to do the next day. That's uh, a really cool idea. Sometimes I do that, but rarely. Yeah, and that's like seven items mm. max. Mm-hmm. And so, of yeah. course, like the simplest ones will not be there because I probably will take care of them faster. And also yeah. set up reminders if there is something important, really important, like... Um, an important client or an important uh, sponsor or uh, an important yeah. meeting or anything, I will definitely set up automatically, even without you know thinking about that. I would set up mm. the reminder for me to follow up one week later because I tend to forget mm-hmm. otherwise. So that's like every time I have an important meeting, I know exactly I'm going to follow up one week later. Or at least I would, I'm going to double check if I did that or not. Um, and then I just check things off, and I don't have a fancy tool like you, Paul, do. Um, I don't have any fancy Benson. things. I just have my text editor. In that text editor, I have my iPhones, like, you know, iPhone and 
the task, a yeah. hyphen and the task. And every time whenever I finish something, I just turn the hyphen into a check mark and then I clear it by yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. That's that's all I need. You don't need a fancy tool for that. But what about what about on travel days? Do you can you work on travel days? Because so, I, I just grind to a halt on yeah, those so days. I think, and they're really expensive. So I think um, the last ten years of my life was a lot of traveling. And so mm. I think there are a couple of things that are broken in me. One of them is it's really <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I really mean it. It's very hard for me okay. to work from the same spot with the same people over and over. That's almost really? impossible. Yeah. So I tried that. It's almost impossible. So I'm. I mean, I have this laptop with me, and uh, actually, one thing happened, which is really it's it's, it's an off topic, but I do have to mention it. Um. So this is the That's MacBook hard. 2016 laptop. And yep. it has a butterfly yep. keyboard. So over the yeah. time of the course of the last month or so, I had the key A, I, and O falling out. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I, I replaced mm-hmm. A, and so it's fine. But now the O fell off, and it doesn't work at all. And I really can't just give away the laptop for like two weeks or so, because this is how much it takes to replace the keyboard. On no. That. It's a real issue for yeah, me. So yeah. this is why I have an external keyboard. <laughs> so, yeah. Ah. Yeah. So instead of having that keyboard, I'm having this one because I don't stay in any place for more than two weeks. And this is going to be devastating. Right. For me, right. And so these little things really annoy me. But I managed to um, find a lot of um, calmness somehow in places which are busy, which is a bit weird. So I work really well in coffee shop. I don't. I just don't notice anything. Uh, I really work best in planes, so I can. I mean, That's, if you if you put me on a plane yep. from London to New York, um, which is like six hours or five mm. five and a half six hours, I'm going to be. Mm. I'm, I'm probably going to finish the book. Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. what you mean. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. flying so, to Detroit on Saturday, and I'm already putting together the long list of things I'm going to do on that flight because it is the single most productive place on the yeah. planet. But Long flight. do yeah. not forget, do not forget to charge a laptop before going on board. <laughs> that happened to me a couple uh-huh. of times and then the charge of the plug wasn't really working. Yeah. That was disappointing. But because I have this keyboard, I usually sometimes write on my phone because, you know, the phone is yeah. Yeah. better battery. So that helps still. I just, and it's, it's just, there's no distractions. You can drink wine while you're working. Everything is perfect. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> Yeah, except if you have a chatty gentleman true. next to you. <laughs> that sometimes happens. Yes. Uh, yeah, ideally, my, it, I, I, I find the lack of space a little uh, little annoying. So really, you need to be doing it business class, in my humble opinion. Really? So, I'm, yeah. I'm really Pre- I really hate business class. Premium economy is fine. Do you? Yeah, because it's so annoying. Yeah, premium economy. I, mean, I flew business class once, and I would never do that again. Right? Well, I mean, Why? I mean, for New York, maybe I would. I don't know. Because, you know, people come to you all the time, they offer you this and they offer you that, and they interrupt you all the time, and I just want to sit and work, yeah. just leave me alone. That's all I want. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do see what you mean. Do you have any other little things that you do, you know, tips for those people that want to spend their careers, you know, doing what you do, which no, is don't do that around the world? Just don't do don't that. Don't do that. No. You think it's a bad idea? Um, well, I mean, if you... I think I would... Do it in a different way because uh, if if you're traveling, I think it's a really good idea to stay some for at least three to four weeks. I mean, okay. I've been doing it like really traveling all all the time, and that's just a lot of stress and it's unnecessary stress. Um, but 
I right. found out that I work best in remote locations where there are not many people. Uh, and so, for example, okay. one of the nicer places I know is Abisko in northern Sweden. And it's a place right. which is known for northern lights. And there is really, yeah. I mean, I think there are 84 people, 85 <laughs> or so, and many wolves. And then you have one hotel station. Um, and then you, oh, hotel, one, um, uh, like tourist station where you can sleep. Sure. And, yeah. uh, you have like a restaurant in the mountains and that's it. There's nothing else. Right. Uh, and beautiful nature, like yeah. the Nordic nature. Uh, but then in the tourist station, they have a beautiful like fireplace and a really big table. I love right. big tables. <laughs> like it's incredible. If you have a really big <laughs> table, like a wooden table with a good chair, not the ones that they have, like cheap ones they have in coffee shops sometimes when you have to sit like this and have no back and things. But like a really yeah. sturdy wooden chair. It's incredible. It's been... <sighs> I really miss this place. <laughs> you need to it's go like, back soon. Yeah, it's like a really nice place. But I mean, um, it's, you know, people talk about inspiration being important. Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, too many people is also bad for work, right? Uh, Mm. But I found that in places where uh, where you feel comfortable and cozy, in a way, I work best. Yeah, and it doesn't mean if it's like thousands yeah. of people around or just five. You know, as long as the, yeah. I mean, I know that it sounds maybe a bit, you know, oh, you need a fancy place like a hipster place with a decent coffee and things like that to work. Uh, <laughs> I think it's not that I can work anywhere really, but I work better if it's a nice cozy place. That's what I know. That that that's a good choice of word, cozy. I'm the same. That that that's why my my study that I'm sitting in now is like it is because I wanted a cozy place, a place that kind of enveloped me, and you know I could could just kind of you know sit with the lights dimmed in a nice comfy chair and just bang out whatever it is I'm doing. That frightens and that's me why a little I think, bit, just because you have a really <laughs> dark uh, velvet wallpaper. Uh, it's not all it's only this the one restaurant. the rest of it the rest of it isn't that yeah it's an indian <laughs> restaurant the rest of it isn't as bad as this one wall behind my my webcam sure um yeah but yeah it's it's, it's true that 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 i do think a working environment matters a lot uh, and i don't think i could do what you do and just work from coffee shop to coffee shop i think i would struggle to do that um but does it so well, one thing I the, do miss, the, ju- just to, sorry to interrupt, Paul. One thing yeah, I think is really, really important is to have a secondary display. That I miss a lot. Ah, uh, yes. So that I really do miss. Mm. And actually, in San Francisco, there is a place called Workshop Cafe. And essentially, when you go there, mm-hmm. you pay per hour, I believe. Um, it's mm-hmm. not that expensive. Uh, I think it costs at least like $1 an hour. I mean, it's not cheap, right? but for the San Francisco, it's quite cheap. And so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can attach your machine to a secondary display, which is available for you. Nice. And I like this place yeah. a lot. So that's, for me, uh, a mecca, I think. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny, isn't it? Because actually, I, I would like to be traveling more and working. Um, I just am not very good at it yet. But it's, it's something I'm going to work on. I mean, we're talking about when, when our son goes off to university that we, we might, you know, travel for a year. Um, but I think if we do it, we're going to RV it. You know, we're going to take an RV around America or Australia or somewhere like that. And I, I'll still have my own work environment. I don't know how well I could just adapt to random stuff, but you know, mm. 
Uh, it's interesting. I, I see that. And there is a lot of value in traveling. So don't get me wrong. And I'm really privileged to be traveling. Mm. Uh, so I'm trying to make sense of that too. But um, And you also get to meet so many people. And, you know, you go to a meetup and you meet anybody. But sometimes I don't want to meet people. I want to be invisible. Um, and so yeah. for that, you need to find a really little cozy place somewhere and just work there. As long as it has a good... Do you, how do you find these places? Sorry, this is... We're now on a massive <laughs> tangent. I've given up on the show. How do you, how do you find these so places? So there are a couple of sites. You know, There's uh, one site I can actually plug in uh, in here. Mm. I've been using it for quite a while. It's workfromco. Uh, and okay. essentially it just shows you the, all the places that are verified as good for working. And it even right. highlights... If you need to register there, though. Um, and it even shows you the average internet or connection speed in those coffee shops, <laughs> right? And I like it. But then, of course, the most important thing for me that I'm looking out for is uh, the plug outlets. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the second part is the yeah. chairs. I really need a good chair. And the third part, I really, mm-hmm. I mean, if they have a wooden table, that's great. And actually, I also, I mean, I know I'm, I'm old school, but I have, where is my phone? Somewhere. Um, I have uh, a huge Foursquare list with maybe 700 or 800 places that I've been to. <laughs> wow. And so in all the parts in the world, from Melbourne to Tokyo to London, everywhere. And so if I really need to work, I will pick one of these five or six places and I will go there because I know this place. And I've been working there and I know this is yeah. comfortable. I wouldn't add something to the list that I don't know or like. Yeah. So it doesn't matter where I go. I can find a place where I feel homey, so to say. Yeah. So, see, that's that's what happens when you've done it as long as you have. You end up with this huge repository of places all around the world. Yeah. Well, interesting. Like they that, close that down. That's work from. Oh, how inconsiderate of them! That's <laughs> just rude, isn't it? Especially if it's a good coffee. Okay. Mm. Oh, it's always the way. It's always the way. Well, I. That that was absolutely fascinating. We didn't cover any of the questions that we normally cover, but but that's fine. We kind of picked a different little bits of it. I don't think there's any point of asking you what your average day is because I get the distinct impression there's no such thing in your world, is there really? Uh, well, as long as well, definitely going to wake up early. Uh, that's for sure. Oh, uh, you're an early person. Oh are you? yes, very early. The earlier, the better. My ideal day starts around six thirty with a good good breakfast. And okay. that means that I would wake up at six, maybe, and have my. What time do you go to bed? Know, eggs or um, toast or anything. Sorry. What time do you go to bed? Um, well, that would depend on the time zone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. <It's, laughs> answer yeah, the question, bitterly. <laughs> yes, but I, but I would say uh, ideally around ten to eleven. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, ten o'clock bed. And one thing that I really like. And that I can highly recommend to everybody because this is how you really explore the city when you're traveling. Um, you set up an, I mean, it kind of requires you to like running. Um, so if you set up an alarm, let's say at three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning, and you just go jogging at four, four thirty for like one hour, one hour and a half, you get to see the city from entirely different view. So I did that in London and in Sydney and in, uh, Paris and Wow, you see the city as it actually is. And, you know, it's a, there is a wonderful feeling when you really walk by. And like You don't even have to run. You can just walk. I was going to say. You run by somebody. Paul, you don't yeah. have to run. You can just walk. That's what I yeah. do no, when I go to America. Know. Because, obviously, 
the time but, zone means you get yeah, up really early. I just go the, for a walk. The, the best part <laughs> is there's a, it was like a memorable, like an incredible experience when you were, I was doing that in Paris and I was just running by and then you know at five thirty six the like the first bakeries would show up would open up. Yeah. And it's so incredible when you see like the first lights being turned on and they start baking. And I have a lot of respect for like bakers in, in the first place. It's uh, hard work. They have to wake up really early and have to do everything to prepare oh. everything for the you know people who are going to buy them and then go to work later. And so you get to see something you've never seen before. It's incredible. So perhaps we are very different people after all. <laughs> because there's no way... No way on earth I'm getting up at 4.30 in the morning to go for a run to see a city. I'm sorry. I mean, I am beginning to get into running. I have to confess that because my wife makes me. But She's a very smart person. Getting up at 4... Unlike some of us. She is a very smart person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But getting up at 4.30 in the morning, I could not go to bed until 4.30 in the morning (laughs) and go running just before bedtime. But that would be, uh, that's a whole different thing. Well, if you you keep talking to me, you might change your mind at some point. (laughs) On that note, we shall end the interview (laughs) (laughs) to prevent that from happening. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us for today. That's really interesting, especially... Yeah, I think you've managed to create a really interesting role for yourself. You know, you've you've spent done the the hard work for year years and years of building up this this successful business, and that's enabled you this kind of almost nomadic lifestyle, isn't it? But but an opportunity to really give back as well. So it's a it's an exciting place you're in, mate. I, uh, I'm Thank quite you. envious. If I'm, I'm honest, I really look forward to what the future will bring us. I'm a very optimistic person, so I always look at the bright side of things. So, so, so do you have a? Sorry, I, we were going to stop the interview. I did so well, but then that did just make me think. Do, do you? Do you, what do you think is going to happen for you next? That's an important you, question. You know, can you imagine yourself? Yeah, it is. Can you imagine yourself doing this in another twenty years? Uh, I think yeah. Actually, I, I would. Yeah. Um, I think I'm. Mm, I do want to. I, I always need a new challenge. So that's a very. That's been a very mm. important thing for me. Um, so this is why I got a little bit bored with the editorial side of things because I was doing it for way too long. And so yeah. uh, I really want to see how like mm, things that I've never done before can be done. And so that involves everything yeah. from, you know, we've been doing the conference, which is spending over two days. And maybe there is yeah. a way of turning it like um, doing something bigger. It, not because we have to, but just because I would love to see no. the concept of how would you design a product of that, like a larger, a little bit larger scale. In the same way, if you look yeah. into education, there are many things that are not done right. And so, like, one of some of the things that yeah. we're doing is also, are also, like, explorations of what you can do in that space. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep mm-hmm. experimenting and playing with technologies and uh, projects mm-hmm. and any kind of products, but probably more on the side of experience design. Um, well, it's, mm-hmm. it's everything at this point, like interface design and service design, whatever you want to call it. But I think I really want to... One thing that's become very important for me over the last years uh, was this notion that we have a lot of disrespectful interfaces that we carefully craft, and so we take care of all the precious, beautiful pixels. But in the end, they're not really good pixels in many ways. So I want to design more, or I want to encourage people at least to design better and more honest pixels. This is kind of my goal Mm -hmm. for the next years to come. That's that's really cool. I, 
you know, I, I think you're in a position where you've created a flexible enough environment to enable you to explore those new areas and then pass on what you learn to the next generation. And I just think that's that that is absolutely superb and i hate you for for achieving that feel free to hate me i i do love you after all oh (laughs) i know okay everybody does i get that (laughs) with most people okay but before we um do marcus's joke Let's do our second sponsor. Our second sponsor for this show is Optimal Workshop that I've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And they are, um, what chances are you've already heard of them, to be honest. They're a a brilliant set of tools that you can use if you are looking to um, do any kind of testing of the work that you do. So they've got a whole range of different tools. But just to give you an example of how I've recently been using them, because I've, I've been using Optimal Workshop for a long time. Um, uh, on a recent project, I wanted to create an information architecture and I wanted to do some wireframing. So where do I start? Well, I started actually with using their online survey tool in order to ask users a whole load of different questions that I wanted to know. So I asked them why they weren't buying, you know, very basic question, but it gave me insights into, um, you know, what the problems were around price, around the offering, etc. Um, I also did a bit of a, a top task analysis where where I gathered, you know, um, what it was that they were trying to achieve on the site, what questions that they had, what tasks they wanted to complete, that kind of thing. Once I got all of that together, that enabled me to start thinking about the kind of content that the website would want. Um, and so I took a lot of those those questions and those tasks, um, identified the more important ones um, and reduced it down to uh, a, a set of kind of subjects that the website needed to cover. Then I needed to create an information architecture. So to do that, I did a card sorting exercise, which I also did via Optimal Workshop. First of all, I did what's called an open card sorting exercise um, where people could organize those cards any way that they wanted. Um, and then following that, um, I kind of validated that by doing a closed card sorting exercise to see whether um, the information draft information architecture I created from the first test actually fitted people's mental models. Um, I also did something called a tree testing via Optimal Workshop as well, which is enabled me to um, create the information architecture for the website and then ask users to find particular content within that. Could they navigate the tree um, in order to find the content? Did it make sense to them? And then finally, when I got onto the wireframing stage, um, you know, particularly when I was wireframing the homepage, I wanted to know whether uh, the kind of signposting that I'd added to that actually worked, whether people would work out what to click on in order to find different types of content. So I did something called a first click test with Optimal Workshop, where we looked at where people would click um, in order to complete certain tasks. So as you can see, it's got this wealth of different um, tools that all kind of come together and create this uh, really great experience. Um, they also help with recruitment, which is a huge thing. They've got this huge pool of um, people that they can recruit from, um, which makes life so much easier. So if you want to give them a go, you can do so by going to boag.world forward slash optimal. Um, Marcus, <laughs> do you, have you got a joke to wrap us up I with? I have. I love the fact that my thought for the day that I've only had to do one for this entire, entire series. <laughs> I know, it's great. 
Uh, yeah. It's back Right, up. you can blame this one on Bob Salmon from the Slack channel. Oh, yeah, Bob from yeah, the Slack channel. You need yeah. to blame him for this one. <clears throat> okay, is it that bad? <laughs> well, I, I quite like it, but it, that doesn't matter. That doesn't it just thing, does it? It comes to something. It comes to something when Marcus Lillington <laughs> is washing his hands of a joke. Jokebrenner. That's how bad it must be. <laughs> right. You'll have heard a version of this before, but it did, did make, it made me snigger. I just swallowed a lot of Scrabble tiles. My next trip to the toilet could spell disaster. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Well, it's> funny. <laughs> no, I actually quite like that one. That's great. There you go. So there we go. That about wraps it up for this week's show. Next week we are we are actually being joined by an author of uh, a published smashing author. Ooh. In the form of Adam Silver, who is coming to join us. He's the author of Form Design Patterns, uh, published by Smashy Magazine. And he's going to be joining us next week uh, to talk about the life of an interface designer. And we'll hear a little bit about what he does. But until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. You're welcome. Bye, bye, bye.